Welcome to Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. I'm Greg. And I'm Erin. We've been married for 31 years. We're marriage counselors, and we lead the marriage team here at Focus on the Family. This week, we're talking about setting healthy boundaries and having safe conversations in marriage. Conversations about things, you know, like sex, physical intimacy, especially when it comes to hurts and conflicting expectations. It can be so hard. Yeah, I mean, even in our own relationship, you know, there's plenty of times where there's been an annoyance, a conflict, and we've had to figure out, man, how do we talk through this in a way that that feels safe? I know one of the classic stories that I seem to be mocked for now over will, and over and over and over. will never live it down. By you, by our children. Because everybody saw it. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm thinking, it, was, it wasn't towards you, it was towards our daughter, right? Mm, it was towards both she okay. and myself. You guys were yeah, I know exactly on me where something. it was. You were standing oh, on the boy. stairs in our old house and you were getting ready to go down into the basement. So you're at the top of the stairs and I think the three of us were talking about something and you didn't like it and you got triggered. And so all of a sudden you did the two finger ah, kiss <laughs> and we were like, what <laughs> did he just do? And I was I mean, showing it was totally affection. Offensive. I was blowing you a kiss. Um, That's it. Mm-hmm. So we, the whole family now has remembrance of that and we often will regularly give you the opportunity to see that yes. two finger kiss not displayed. in a mean way you're just teasing me we tease you a lot but it, it begs the question though what what happens within a conversation that makes it feel unsafe and so i think about like if we start a conversation and i'm judging instantly you know what you're talking about or how you feel or you know, maybe we're being critical. As a matter of fact, remember when we polled like 2,000 couples mm-hmm. over the course of mm-hmm. several marriage events and just ask them, what's the biggest thing that happens within your marriage that makes you feel unsafe? I remember the number one response was when they feel criticized. Mm-hmm. Well, criticism absolutely destroys um, emotional safety within a relationship. And no one wants to be criticized or judged, or if someone gets defensive, hmm, I wonder who gets defensive in our relationship. I just showed you the, that kiss blowing No, I, I saw a head shake. <laughs> I wasn't sure what was happening. Like, does he not want me to say this? Uh, but, you know, it's just looking at how do we create a marriage that feels safe? Because there are many things that we do, especially when we're triggered, that cause us to feel unsafe. Yeah, and that's really what we're going to be focusing on is is safety making our marriage feel like the safest place on earth. And we've got some great segments coming up. Later on, we're going to have a conversation with a Christian counselor about the difficulties of talking to your spouse about sex. So obviously a conversation that can feel unsafe if we don't do that in a way that kind of relaxes us both. We're also going to hear a question from one of our listeners who wants to know, how can she open up to her husband that has broken her trust by looking at pornography? Mm. But first, we had a fantastic conversation with author and speaker Mo Isam Aiken, and we're super excited to get to listen to this conversation with Mo. And I really like your the the sex expectations. Expectations. Well, yeah. What are some of the big ones that you hear mm. from you know the ministry that you're involved in? Sure, I'll give you two kind of polar opposite examples that 
both make you equally unwell. Okay. So <laughs> they're both the hyper versions. Um, but one is the hyper virginity vow. Mm. Sex is bad. Sex is wrong. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> and this is preached by the church many times. I mean, whether we realize it or not, this is a formative voice mm-hmm. in the church. Mm-hmm. And when you're single, let's not even talk about it. It'll put it on their minds. Guess what, Karen? It's already on their minds. Like, have the talk, have the conversations in a biblical way. But it's this mindset of don't do it, don't do it. It's bad, it's wrong. But then once I get married, I can freely engage in this, right? There is an idolization that is formed in the heart of sex is going to Mm. complete you. Mm. Sex and marriage is going to just... Be so incredible, which it is in in many ways. But when we've made a Hollywood version Mm -hmm. of what this union is, when we have in our mind that sex is going to complete some part of us, you will be sorely let down. Mm. It is a beautiful gift. It is an act of worship between a husband and a wife. It is a weapon of warfare, even of unity. But if you are not complete in Christ and satisfied in him, being able to be with a spouse in marriage, it's not going to make it. It's not the magic serum. You hold, it's not the magic serum. And I remember back when I first got married, I one of the catalyst reasons I even wrote my second book, Sex, Jesus, and the Conversations the Church Forgot, was because I was heartbroken reading this article written by a, a young woman. It was just like a blog that went viral. But it said, I waited until my wedding day to have sex and I completely regret it. Mm-hmm. And I just, I remember thinking, Praise God. When I read the first half of the title, yeah. <laughs> then yeah. I read yeah. the second half and I was like, oh, no, mm. because that makes evident there were core foundational misunderstandings mm-hmm. really about sex. And so I see some people that hyper denial, then I stand at the altar and I can just flip a switch and mm-hmm. it's going to be amazing. And wait, why am I crying my whole honeymoon? This isn't what I thought. <laughs> like that can be a sex expectation brought in. That honestly puts so much on the spouse as well. That's kind of unfair. And then you have this opposite expectation of, and again, I'm going to hyper examples here. There's a lot of ground in the middle, but this hypersexualized lifestyle Mm -hmm. beforehand, honestly, pornography plays a big part in this. I get what I want when I want it. Mm -hmm. I'm here. It's to satisfy me. It gives me the rush, me the desire. And you objectify them. You object. There's a dehumanization to to the process, really. And understandably, that is the fruit of pornography. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's also an instantaneous fix. There's a carnality. Uh, I don't know that we would recognize that language when we're in the midst of it, but there's a carnal response that lacks self-control. And so then we've probably, if we function that way, quench the Holy Spirit too Mm -hmm. so much in our own life that many think, okay, now I get married and great. I have a spouse at my disposal. Mm -hmm. Um, They might not word it that way, but ultimately it's kind of the mindset. Now I can have sex whenever I want and whatever way, like this is now a free for all. And then, wow, how does that go? When the reality of two human beings with unique feelings, emotions, physical conditions at times, right? When there's a dehumanized hypersexual approach that's brought in, 
this expectation, you will be maybe even resentful to mm-hmm. your spouse yeah. Yeah. and yeah. unsatisfied. Because they can't meet either side of that. Right, they, right. Either you've idolized it or you dehumanized it yes. on whichever end. That's no the one summary. can live up. Yeah. yeah, and sometimes, especially women, will believe that that is their role. Mm-hmm. Like my job is to be available at any time that my husband wants to have sex, and right. that's my role. And what I, how I see that playing out is, you know, five, 10, 15 years later, they're like, what about me? Right. Like, how do I fit into this and feel so dehumanized? Mm-hmm. And I've even heard the term oxytocin addiction, mm-hmm. that it becomes such an addiction to that chemical. Yes. And, you know, in some ways becoming a sex addict in your own marriage. Right. And that's not how God created marriage. And I love that you so beautifully present that. Yes, yes. There's a, a a beautiful and a healthy sexual relationship between husband and wife. There's a beautiful mutual honoring of one another. Mm. There's rich communication and understanding. There's compassion. There's mm-hmm. excitement. There's the mundane abiding, right? It's dynamic. It's mm-hmm. it's multifaceted, but it is always with the mutual honor of one another. Mm. And I really believe that if if we can even begin to grow in that self-control and singleness, there's a purpose for why God tells us no in certain seasons and then permits. But it's not just for the rule following. It's that he is growing the fruit in us to understand how to walk in covenant and honor the husband and the wife as Christ loved the church, right? As as Christ gave himself and then as the church too submits to Christ, it's this mutual relational health. It's not so much that it's a a tightrope walk, but if we don't know, if we don't know the beauty of intimacy with the Lord, then our spouse becomes like the practice ground, the Mm -hmm. testing ground, right? Mm -hmm. And that can go not so well if we are not continually being sanctified, being healed. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't flesh out well in our spiritual relationship with the Lord, nor our natural relationships with one another. And you said it very well. It's idolatry or it's dehumanization, right? Mm -hmm. These are kind of the two ways I see the extremes, but those are two sex expectations. So what would, so someone who is, so you're, you're hearing this going, okay, I'm on one of those or some, you know, I lean towards one side of that. Mm -hmm. What, what do they do? with that? Mm. How do they begin to change that perspective or heal from that? What are some practical suggestions for that person? Yeah, a few practical things, uh, three that come to my mind. Um, First and foremost, it's always going to be my first and foremost answer, but is truly to read a small ebook. Yeah, yeah. Pick figured, up a resource that focus yeah, on the family. The links are below. <laughs> In the, show. In the so notes getting section. that aside yes. now. Yes. Yes. Um, no, the first and foremost true. And, and I say this. And if anyone's been following me for a long period of time, they probably roll their eyes because it's always my answer. But my greatest healing and transformation and growth came from intimacy with the Lord and revelation of what his operation of intimacy is. So everything broken in my life had framed my understanding of what intimacy and oneness with the Lord was. He had to flip that. He had to show me 
why the enemy had put such a hit out on (laughs) all of us around relational intimacy because it gives us misunderstanding of who Christ is and how the Lord loves us. He had to flip it and say, now come to me first. Mm -hmm. Seek my word. Seek my heart. I will not force myself upon you. I, I am not drawing you into intimacy to use and abuse you. Mm-hmm. I am not a God whom you need to perform for. All of these things, even my own father's suicide left me with a, my love's not enough. You'll leave. You'll forsake. Like right. it still even formed right. my understanding perform. of intimacy. Yeah. yeah perform, prove it, be yeah. loved. Maybe you'll Earn stay. Yeah. yeah. When I let the Lord lead me into the spiritual depths first and heal It reframed all of my understanding in the natural. Mm -hmm. Um, And I understood God's design of relational oneness in the way that the Spirit of God treated and communed with me. Therefore, I could better understand, oh, that's the picture of how healthy relational intimacy is ultimately Mm -hmm. to be played out. Friendships, marriages, you know. Let me get it right in the spirits, and then the byproduct will be I can love my neighbor as myself. If I've loved the Lord my God with all first, Mm -hmm. then I can love my neighbor as myself because I get what intimate love is. Now, so that's going to be time in your word, time in prayer, time seeking the heart of God, right? The second element that I would say is really practical is that especially in marriages, communication is so important. Mm -hmm. And it's the hardest thing, right? The word of God says- We all know we need to do that. It should be the simplest thing, right? Yeah, yeah. We're always communicating, but yeah. But we have so many things often too built up in marriage, like, okay- I want to have this conversation with my spouse. I really want it to go well. And minute four into the conversation, we've triggered one another. It's like, <laughs> that never happens here. No, well, we're never. usually minute one. Of so okay. we, we just get right to the triggering. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, we, we know communication, we've tried, but really getting intentional about creating safe spaces, mm-hmm. creating mm-hmm. moments of, hey, I want you to share. I'm going to keep my my lips sealed. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to receive, to listen, vice versa. I mean, there's so many resources out there, truly. We joke about read the book, mm-hmm. but there really are yeah. so many resources about how to cultivate mm-hmm. healthy. And sometimes that might even need to be that a third party, unbiased, is brought in, biblical counsel, someone to sit, to help guide. But communication when it comes to sexual intimacy is so key that we are at whatever stage committed to growing in, because even in a very healthy, intimate relationship, even in, let's parallel it to the spiritual, even someone that's been walking with the Lord for 50 years, there are still going to be times where the Lord is going to want to commune, dig even deeper, Mm -hmm. uproot something Mm -hmm. else, right? And so... Yeah, um, all about growth, so... Exactly. Communication so key. And then a a third practical, I kind of tied it into the second, but I would just truly say there are resources and there are people that um, sometimes having a a counseling body in the midst can really help. Mm -hmm. Um, And whether that is... You know, the wife is seeking that from another woman of God, the man with a man of God, or that they are together. God's equipped us with people who are gifted in teaching, in um, biblically counseling, in encouragement.
I appreciate so much the conversation we had with Mo and specifically the three practical ways that people heal from these false sexual expectations that she talked about. So, Greg, let's dig in and talk about um, building safe communication. Yeah, I think anytime we're we're trying to really create conversations that feel safe, it, it, it's a great place to begin to, by just reminding each other mm-hmm. that we're, we're on the same team. Mm-hmm. Like, there's room for both of us. We're we're not adversaries. Hey, we're going to have this conversation. I'm not against you. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll we'll figure this out in a way that feels good to both of us. It's just that reminder that, that we're a team and, mm-hmm. and that alone, it starts to create kind of that safety that's necessary if we're really going to open up to each mm-hmm. other. It's such a great place to start. But then also, often I will encourage couples, put some structure in place. And, you know, really, we, we call it heart talk. And really what that is, is just being a great listener, one person listening, one person speaking, the speakers using I statements, and I feel, I want, I desire, and the listeners just reflecting back, you know, I hear you saying, and really that creates the environment of safety, because both partners know, like, this is my role, this is what I'm doing right now, and my job is to just care about how my spouse, my person is feeling. Yeah. And so just creating some structure is so helpful. It is, because I know for me, it's so tempting to want to hear something you're saying and then instantly like, okay, we could solve it this way or, you know, hey, just let me apologize. That'll fix it, Mm -hmm. whatever. But it's a great reminder for me to go long before we talk about any sort of solution or way to fix something. Boy, what does it look like just to really lean in? to hear your emotion. Mm-hmm. And that's why as we are are starting to explore and pack something that's gone on, it, maybe you're not even talking about your emotions, but it, it's super helpful for me to, re, to, to remember to kind of direct you towards that by saying something like, okay, so it makes sense that this happened, that happened, but how, how did that make you feel? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. what, what was the emotional message that it sent to you? Whatever. Yeah. Something to get you really starting to talk about your emotions because those aren't debatable. Right. You know, it's, it's not right or wrong how you feel. It's how you feel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, even for me, I'll have a hard time with how I'm feeling. So it's good when I have you leaning in and saying, hey, you know, I hear that's what you're feeling. And it's okay. Feelings aren't right, wrong, good, bad. They are just information to add to the, the whole picture. And because first, when we do that step, and we really care about each other's hearts, and the emotion, then we can go to, okay, now what do we need to do? Right. So often couples want to rush to, let's fix this, let's solve this, let's figure out something that we need to do to move us forward versus just taking the time to really care. Yeah. And because at the the end of the day, you know, my my hope is that I get insights, that I get a glimpse of of what's really going on for you, the inner Aaron. And you're never going to show me that person. You're never going to let me in Mm -hmm. to the deeper feelings and things like that unless you feel safe. Mm -hmm. And and that's the beauty of this. This is really about creating an environment that feels safe because hearts are going to open. Then we're actually able to to talk through and talk about some of these things. And like you said, if we need to solve something, then we'll Mm -hmm. do that in a way that feels good to both of us. All that leading to safety, and that's such an important part of good conversation and kind of what Mo was talking about. Just, you know, talk if when we're healing from 
whatever sexual wounds or some of those false sexual expectations that she talked about, it's, mm-hmm. we've got to create safety to do mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Well, we've got a great article about establishing safety in your marriage, and you can check that out on our website. Mm-hmm. It's very informative and will give you some great practical steps to help you improve your marriage and, and really infuse it with emotional safety. All the details will be in the show notes. Well, we're excited to be here today with our good friend, Jeremy Keaton, who happens to be a Christian licensed marriage and family therapist. And we're going to talk today about creating safety um, around sex in your marriage, having safe communication about sex in your marriage. And so, Jeremy, we're excited you're here. And we wanted to give you the easy topic, you know, the lightest topic that we have. (laughs) You know, this is a precious and sacred topic, and I'm actually really honored to talk about it. And I I think we need to talk about it more. So thank you for inviting me. Yes, absolutely. So, Jeremy, what would you say couples can do to create, you know, an environment of emotional safety in their marriage so they can talk about sex? Because so often, as counselors, we hear couples just don't talk about sex. Yeah. Well, the safest place in the universe for us as believers is with God. Mm. And so approach this as a godly topic. Mm. When you see sex as sacred and as part of your faith, then hopefully it can melt away some of the tawdry shame or the types of things. Mm -hmm. We live in too much of a pornified world, and we've taken more cues about sex from the world than we have redeeming that and seeing that sex is a godly topic. So it's safe to talk about God in our marriage, I hope. So let's make it, think of it as it's safe to talk about sex, because if sex is holy, let's talk about holy things and how to to really draw closer to God through this. And maybe that entryway keeps it a little bit safer instead of like, hey, we're going to talk about this really sketch topic. Mm. Yeah. So so for the couple that maybe sex has not been a safe conversation to have, wh- yeah. where do they begin? How do they begin to make this a, a, a safe thing to talk about? I think one of the first things is to check your mindset about flexibility. A lot of times there's demands attached to mm. sex or guilt or wounds. Mm. And to really check yourself individually, the, the safest way to have a safe conversation is to show up as a safe person. Mm. So really, to not oversimplify this, but to make sure that you yourself feel like you're in self-control, that you're not coming with um, rigid expectations, but more of a curious posture saying, you know, I want to learn. I want to learn about you and about us. And being a safe person is the safest way to have a safe conversation. Yeah, versus even showing up. You know, something just happened, so I'm triggered. So now we're going to talk about it, and yeah. I'm stirred up. And, and timing uh-huh. is big, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, timing and, and, and hopefully bringing this conversation up in the course of other habits of communicating. So you're not simply sitting down and saying, let's have just a really rare talk. Hopefully you're communicating and connecting emotionally overall in your relationship, and this becomes one of the other things in that space. And I know for Aaron and I, we want to underscore really what you've been saying, and that's anytime we're going to have a a serious conversation, whether it's about sex or about money or the kids, whatever the issue is, Mm -hmm. 
boy, it's so important that we first look at what's going on for us. It's kind of the get the log out of your own eye. Mm-hmm. Then you can see clearly. It's that idea of, boy, I really want to notice where I'm at. Am I open? Am I shut down? Am I triggered or not? Mm-hmm. And the more we you know, take time to go, you know, I, I want to show up in a way that, that I'm open, that, that I'm curious, that I really do want to seek to understand first yes. rather than maybe being understood. Yes. I think any of that work that we're willing to do ahead of time, that that's what creates safety within the relationship. Mm-hmm. And hand in hand with that is also recognizing um, expectations within the sexual relationship And so often we're not aware of even what our expectations are. We know the disappointment, but Jeremy, how do couples talk about expectations and mutual expectations in their relationship and in their marriage? Well, that's the point is you're going to have to talk Mm -hmm. and to learn to let words come out of your mouth Mm -hmm. and to be vulnerable and again have to have conversations you to get to the bottom of expectations you have to be curious about your own self your own background maybe get even get counseling yourself and then begin to share about what you're learning with your spouse but you have to have conversations you cannot assumptions happen all the time mm-hmm. in this space yeah. and, and usually they're unknown unspoken so well, we have them but i maybe don't even know what they are or i certainly haven't verbalized that to aaron well and so often when we assume these things are negative yes you know that this is really what's going on over on the other side and you know but it's you know so effective to actually ask and mm-hmm. have that conversation i mean i like that phrase to make the covert Overt. Yeah. Yes. And again, that takes back to the first question of safety. Mm-hmm. You have to create a safe environment to have the conversations, but you have to have them. And, you know, one tool, just practically, even listening to this podcast together and then create using it as a conversation starter yeah. or other content that is Christian, has a holy view of sexuality, listen to that together and then respond to it or make notes about it mm-hmm. on a pad of paper and say, you know, I made these notes after I listened to that podcast. Would you listen to? And we can share, like, what stood out to you? And it just is to break the ice on yeah. sexual conversations with good and godly content. Yeah, I love how you said that, you know, would you listen to, because so often what we end up doing is, you know, coming at it passive aggressively yes. or, you know, finding a book <laughs> and sliding it under their pillow and just Why hoping that they happen. Why is this yellow all over? There's sticky notes on every page that we want them to read. And so I like how you said that, you know, yeah. would you be willing to listen? Yeah. And I know for me what's always been so helpful is, sort of when I become aware of whatever the expectation is, then to share that with Aaron with the goal of allowing her to hear it, to decide together what's reasonable or not. Mm-hmm. Because we can then take an expectation that might be unrealistic, and it becomes realistic when both of us have a chance to go, yeah, we could do that, or mm, probably not, probably not as often as you're hoping, or whatever it is, yeah. then we mm-hmm. sort of negotiate through that to set then the right expectation. I know, Aaron, we've we've done that through exactly, Jeremy, what you're talking about. We've we've grabbed conversation starters that are all around sex, and we'll just start to talk through that, and it just helps us to verbalize some of these things that would be an expectation and then it allows us both to kind of go, okay, yeah, what, what would the, in this season of our marriage, what, what, mm-hmm. what would the right way to see that, you know, issue or that desire, what would be realistic? So I know that for us, 
that's kind of how we've done that. Is that yeah. a good thing? Are we yeah. are we well, down the right track? Well, and I will tell you, my wife and I were on a walk this morning, and we go on a walk um, most every week. We have a time set aside where we talk about many topics, and sometimes this topic. And this morning, we were talking about what what is the most helpful in this space, and the term flexibility mm-hmm. of mindset came up, is that yeah. mm-hmm. having open-handed conversations rather than demanding ones mm-hmm. and flexibility and learning the give and take of sometimes a yes and sometimes a no, sometimes a maybe, sometimes a let's you know not be demanding and not create an environment of guilt and shame of, mm. well, you know, if you would only or you're on the hook for this or you're the barrier to this, but more of a flexibility mindset that says, I'd like to bring this up, but I'm not going to be demanding. And in some ways, that just creates a rewarding conversation. Yeah, that's Mm. really good. And I love to the image of of you and your wife walking, because symbolically, you know, you're moving forward. Mm -hmm. You're not having to sit across each other like at some, you know, coffee table or whatever, which guys like when we're doing something side by side. But but you're literally moving this conversation forward. You're moving the relationship forward. You're learning something. And that's a great way to do that. Aaron took the dog for a walk this morning, I noticed. Yes, well, so I went downstairs to work out. And we had me. a sleepover. Our daughter had a sleepover, and there were girls sleeping multiple places. And so I couldn't go down and work out. So I went for a walk. Sammy and I had meaningful conversations. Maybe she'll take me next time. And we can talk about without sex. a leash. Yes. Exactly. That would be helpful. It, it always that would looks be helpful. Really weird. Such a great conversation, Jeremy. We're going to have you back again. I'm certain many times to come and hang out with us down here and have some more deep conversations. Yeah. Thanks for your wisdom and your insight. So we appreciate that. It's great to be growing in life and getting to talk about it. Well, now we're going to move on to our weekly Q&A, and this is the part of the show where we get to answer your burning questions about marriage. Please send us your questions. This is how we can best connect with you. Go to crazylittlethingcalledmarriage.com and click the button on the side of our show page to leave us a voicemail. And if it gets answered on the show, we're going to send you a copy of our book, Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage, 12 Secrets to a Lifelong Romance. Free. We're going to send that to you free as our way of saying thank you for listening and reaching out to us. Well, today's question comes from one of our listeners. Let's listen to a voicemail that Judy sent in. This is Judy. My husband and I have been married for 40 years. After 25 years, he was dabbling in some internet pornography for about nine months, and we talked that through, read books, all that kind of stuff. And then 10 years later, something came up and Um, He had been dabbling again, and after 40 years of marriage, I just, one area of my heart, I just can't open up to him because I feel like, you know, what if he disappoints me again? So it's kind of like a little breach of trust, or it is a breach of trust, but how do I fix it? How do I work on it? Um, Because it's, you know, not the ideal thing. Mm, Judy, thank you so much for calling in. Such a painful yeah. Um, betrayal, a break in trust, exactly like yeah. Judy, you said. 
and it's hard. And how do we move forward? So I would be curious um, what your husband is doing to continue to heal. And, you know, is he, does he have accountability in place and is he seeking healing? But then also for you, you know, really understanding how has this impacted me? What's the impact of my husband dabbling in pornography? How does that impact me? You know, do I feel not good enough? Do I feel uh, betrayed? You know, it's just looking at how did it land with me and then really showing up to really care about that part of your heart. Yeah, because, I mean, I like what you're saying that, you know, there's things that hopefully that her husband's doing, Mm -hmm. but the reality is that, you know, we we marry human beings Mm -hmm. and they are going to hurt us. I mean, Mm -hmm. regardless of how many conversations we have and how how much we've talked about do this don't do this all those things right it's going to happen that's not again. to excuse poor no, behavior not at all but as as, as you're saying human beings married to each other we do impact each other well because she's really saying that i'm afraid to open up because mm-hmm. i'm afraid of getting hurt again mm-hmm. and and we would say the good news is that that how you manage and deal with that isn't in what he's doing, it's not by putting more protections and making sure there's more accountability. Judy, actually, the key that Aaron and I found is learning to become an expert in caring for your own heart. You are going to get hurt again. And like Aaron said, that that's not excusing poor behavior. It's a reality that your mm-hmm. heart is going to be hurt again. How do you take good care of your heart? What do you do with that pain? Yes. So when you are hurting... There are some things that you can really do to become sort of that that expert to where in, in many ways you're saying, although I hate when someone makes poor choices, I hope my husband, you know, doesn't look at pornography again. But hey, you know what? If it happens, I mean, I know exactly what to do to really care for my heart. Mm-hmm. There's some things that we've learned over the years of how to do that. Yeah. First and foremost, allowing yourself, Judy, just to feel and process the emotions that you're feeling. Yeah. Because Allow then those you're, to matter. Well, yeah, your heart feels safe with you. It's so often what we see is that individuals try to stuff or deny the emotions that they're feeling. And really, it's just information because God gave us a heart and a brain. So once we acknowledge what we're feeling, then our heart in many ways can relax to go, oh, she's with me. She gets it. She's acknowledging whatever her heart is feeling. And that's just key. And, you know, really being compassionate around that because... You know, our emotions are literally the voice of our heart and just information and, you know, really being showing up in kind and compassionate ways towards yourself is key to keep your heart open. But once we acknowledge where we're at, then we have a brain and we can go, okay, what do we need to do? And often and most often this requires the setting of healthy boundaries. And what are your expectations as well as where do you extend trust? You get to decide where you trust and where you do not trust. And trust is not something that is rebuilt all at once, once and for all. It's something that is moment to moment. And when your heart doesn't feel safe, you pull your heart back and you know what to do to care for your heart. Set the boundary that this is not okay. I do not feel safe. And I'm okay with pulling my heart back and caring for it. Yeah. And those are great ways to really care for a heart. And that's all we're trying to say, Judy, is that, you know, you are married to a human being. Hopefully he will never, ever 
compromise and look at pornography again. But if that happens, you know, make it your goal to go, regardless of what he does, that my heart is always going to be so well cared for. The better that you do at that, the more you're able then to open your heart back up and Mm -hmm. you're able to share with him what's going on for you because you've learned how to do that job well. But don't do this alone, Judy. Surround yourself with godly same-sex friends, godly female friends who can walk with you, maybe a Christian counselor. You know, just surround yourself with people who are safe, um, same-sex friends who are safe. And, you know, walk through this together so you feel supported. And on those hard days that you have someone who's there with you. So you're not alone as you travel through this. Yeah, Judy, we are so thankful that you sent that question in. So be sure to look out for your copy of Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. And if you're listening today and you have questions for us, please contact us. Go to crazylittlethingcalledmarriage.com and click the button on the side of our show page to leave us a voicemail. Thank you for joining us for Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. Living with a spouse who's different than we are, they have different feelings, different experiences, that can be challenging. But we hope that this episode gave you the tools to be able to talk about boundaries that you can have. Yeah, be sure to like, listen, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We want you to have a seat at the table every week is we help equip you and your spouse to have a lifelong and satisfying marriage. You know, we also want to help you grow spiritually, both as individuals and as a couple, so that you can invest in other couples to help them build thriving marriages. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk with you again next week about this crazy little thing called marriage. Is your marriage holding on by a thread? For deep hurt, you need deep healing that only comes from the Lord. And you'll find it at a Focus on the Family Hope Restored Intensive in Michigan. Our licensed Christian counselors will help you and your spouse get to the root of your issues in just three to five days. And it works. 80% of the couples are still married two years after attending. Learn more at HopeRestored.com and talk with a trusted advisor. That's HopeRestored.com.